Hi there, everybody. I'm here, and I'm interrupting your normally scheduled chat point episode that is uh, typically premiering here on the podcast network every Friday. Uh, however, we were unable to record yesterday, Thursday from noon to one, our regular chat point episode for a couple of reasons. Uh, my family is sick, and so we are dealing with some crud. You know, that kind of stuff always weighs you down and takes some time. And then also, there is a crazy storm coming through North Carolina up through Louisiana. So we'll certainly pray for all those affected by the tropical storm. Um, but that has just made our internet a little bit laggy and our, inter- our electricity um, fall a little short of where it needs to be. And so I thought, you know, maybe we'll take advantage of this time and we'll do something a little bit special. We'll do something a little bit different. And so uh, I'm actually going to do a premiere of a special episode here on Checkpoint Church, uh, something that we haven't done on here before, but something that has been around for a little while. So some of you may be familiar, you may not, that uh, I have actually had a YouTube channel for a while uh, over on my own. This doesn't have anything to do with um, being a pastor. It doesn't have anything to do with being, you know, a member of the Methodist Church. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that stuff. But I created uh, about four years ago a YouTube channel called Single Player in which I just kind of tried to provide encouraging, entertaining, positive, clean, family-friendly content. Um, cause I found that YouTube just wasn't providing it. And one of the ways that I did that in the past couple years is, uh, with a podcast called the hypothesists. And so I thought we would do the first episode of the hypothesists here, uh, on this channel, just as kind of a special little episode, just a special little crossover. Um, I thought about bringing the hypothesis to Checkpoint Church just because that would be fun, but I don't know. We'll just see. So if you guys really enjoy this, if you think this is just exactly what you think would be fun to listen to, um, then let me know. Send me an email at checkpointchurch at gmail.com. Um, shoot me a tweet. Shoot me an Instagram DM. Shoot me a Facebook DM. Whatever. Just let me know that you really like this and would love to hear more of these and would love for me to make these happen. Maybe a monthly special, you know, or, um, you know, something like that. But this is something that already has aired and has been around for a little while. This aired back, uh, let's see, when would this have been? Let me do my due diligence here and try and find when this episode might have aired. All right, so this episode would have aired November 14th of 2019. And uh, it has a special guest, Hogan Dyer, who is one of our um, longtime, you know, really close hard workers here at Checkpoint as well. And uh, the way that the show worked, what it was, you know, technically doing was it was just what it sounds like. We were coming up with a hypothesis based around some of our favorite fandoms. And so I invited uh, Hogan to come on. We both really love Pokemon. And so we theorized about what would happen if Red, the protagonist from the Pokemon Red and Blue game franchise, what if Red had decided to join Team Rocket? What would spawn that? What would create that? What would change if that happened, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, that was the first episode um, that we aired of The Hypothesis. And what we do is we kind of go through this basic segment where we just come up with this idea. We flesh it out as best as we can. We talk about what it might mean. And we just play around and improvise for like an hour. And so that's what this episode is all about. And that's what this episode is for you guys. So uh, it was a lot of fun to work on and a lot of fun to put together. And if you're interested, you can certainly go subscribe to the hypothesis. We don't have too many more episodes, um, but it is also on a podcast network that you should be a part of. It should be everywhere by now. Hopefully I think so surely, but anyway, I just wanted to make everybody aware of that. And that is what this is today. This is our special episode of the day. Our special thing that's coming out just uh, a, a little, 
Uh, thank you for listening. I thank you for being a part of this. And uh, sorry that we're not able to make it work this week because of circumstances beyond our control. We will plan on being back next Thursday from noon to one for Chat Point for sure uh, over on our twitch.tv slash Checkpoint Church. Um, we'll do our part that we were supposed to do today, which was lies you've been told about Christianity in general. So be sure to be in touch with that one. Uh, when is that going to be? Next Thursday, November the 5th. So if you want to join us then, that would be great. Of 2020, by the way. I don't know when you're listening to this. You could be listening to this in like 2042 and podcasts are still a thing and you're just now finding out about Checkpoint. And I'm, uh, you know, a severed head in a jar talking on a robot's body. You get the idea. With that, folks, uh, thank you so much for listening again. And this is going to be the hypothesis from the Single Player Network um, as a special guest episode here on Checkpoint Church just to fill in our slots here. Uh, as always, because you're not going to hear this necessarily during the episode because uh, single player was not explicitly a Christian channel. Uh, and so I'm going to let you know right here, right now, that in case you haven't heard these things today, you're going to hear them from me right now. Know that before you listen to this episode, God loves you. I love you. You matter. Please enjoy the show. Bye. Well, these things Welcome to the Hypothesists, the show where we answer all of the questions that no one is asking. Each episode, I'm going to bring on a special guest professional to come in and help me dig through a hypothetical scenario that we're going to be presented with for that episode. And so for this, the inaugural first episode here of the Hypothesists, uh, I have brought on a familiar face here uh, with Hogan. So, Hogan. You are our special guest for our first episode. We're going to be talking about Pokemon, uh, particularly with the first game, Pokemon Red and Blue, uh, kind of as a way of celebrating uh, the game coming out. We got a new Sword and Shield coming out. I've already got mine pre-ordered. Uh, I'm sure that you do not. You don't have a Switch yet, but we're trying to convince you. We're going to work on it as best we can. Maybe today's conversation uh, will be the thing that inspires. You know, it might be the turning point. It really might. Um, well, Nate, this is the day it all changes. Well, Nate, first and foremost, thank you so much for uh, for having me on the show. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, I uh, I guess maybe I should get my background on Pokemon. Uh, I uh, I played pretty much every game up until uh, Black and White, uh, the original Black and Whites. Um, I got about halfway through them and just kind of fell out of them. I had nothing against the games; it was just kind of a busy part of my life, and I just didn't really have time to kind of finish them out. Uh, but I played everything up until that point. Uh, I started off with Red. I uh, had a great time with it. I uh, had older cousins who kind of taught me about the game, but but didn't teach me very much about the game because um, my earliest memory of Pokemon is the fact that uh, I had Red. I chose Squirtle as my starter. Uh, the only time I've ever chosen not Bulbasaur. Um, so those that'll be fun in the comments section for you, Nate. Um, but uh, I didn't know you could catch <laughs> other Pokemon. So I went as far as I could with just a singular Squirtle that eventually, you know, leveled up into everything else. But I didn't know you could catch Pokemon. I didn't know what the Pokemart was for, uh, to which my cousin then let me know what was going on. Uh, and then I realized, oh, there's more to this game. Wonderful. So you were the person so. that the annoying guy that's in town that always says, let me let me teach you how to catch a Pokemon. And they got to put that in every game. And that's for the Hogans of the world out there. It is because when... Uh, what the what the originals came out in '93, right around then, something like that. I, something like that. Anyway, I played the game when I was like five or six, right? I didn't really have the ability to read 
or, or comprehend, hey, the mechanics <laughs> should be a little more advanced than this. So I'm sure I, I talked to the, you know those guys or in, in, in the originals and just B-smashed my way through that. Um, so, but yeah, I'm the reason why we had those guys in every game. Yes. So you are, but you are a professional at, at, at mastering that one Pokemon, clearly, uh, and going through the games. Oh, yeah, I got that. And yeah, I would say that for the most part, like the thing that makes you a, a professional and really a lot of our generation, our age people, uh, is just that we grew up on that, you know, Gen 1. We're the Gen 1ers who uh, we didn't have, you know, much else for a while. Uh, and now people that are playing and getting in with the new graphics and the new games, and they're excellent as well, um, but they don't really have that. Like I played through the original game like just countless amounts of time because there was nothing else to do. You couldn't go and, and play an older generation or a newer generation. You couldn't go with a different one. You had to play that first game like 12 times. And so that's part of it, I think, that we, we both got a part of that. And so we're kind of approaching that with this this mindset of we know these games, uh, and so you are considered a professional. So congratulations. You're an expert on Pokemon. Wow. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, you're officially being awarded that gift. And so <laughs> that being said, uh, we're going to tackle the hypothetical question. Uh, and so that is what happens next. And our hypothetical question for this episode, like I mentioned, is going to be from Pokemon Red and Blue pretty exclusively. That's going to be where we're going to lay uh, our canon foundation. Uh, and the question is, what if Red, the protagonist from Red and Blue, had decided to take the offer to join Team Rocket on Nugget Bridge? For anybody unfamiliar or a little rusty, uh, once you get to the second town of Cerulean, uh, where you get your second gym badge, uh, you go on Nugget Bridge, you fight a bunch of people, and at the very end, the guy turns out to be a Team Rocket recruiter. Uh, and obviously you turn him down because you're not going to join Team Rocket. They're the bad guys. And so the question is, what if Red had taken that offer? Uh, because Team Rocket could be, I don't know, it could be a pretty good opportunity. I imagine they have excellent health benefits. Uh, you know, they're probably a good place to be. Uh, and so odds are uh, maybe Red might have taken it. And so we're going to start with that idea. Uh, the way we're going to break down these episodes and kind of do this uh, is it's going to be kind of live improvisation. We're going to go through uh, and build this hypothetical situation in our minds. But we have to have some kind of groundwork. Uh, and so we're going to talk about first the canon timeline. Uh, so like I mentioned, it's at this point in Cerulean City, uh, which is where you get your second badge on Nugget Bridge. So everything up until that point is going to stay kosher. It's going to stay totally canon, uh, OG, um, red. And so the way it's going to kind of change a little bit or we're going to specify, uh, the journey obviously begins in Pallet Town, uh, and you meet Professor Oak, who gives you an opportunity to choose a Pokemon. And so uh, you are going to choose as Red Bulbazar. And the reason behind that choice is not just because it is Hogan's favorite choice, his number one starter, um, but also because in the manga, so we're not going to be pulling from the manga um, necessarily for any of our canon stuff other than this, um, but in the manga, that's who he kind of started out with. He wound up saving the Bulbazar whenever it got captured, uh, and it kind of became his first starter aside from his, I think it was Nidoran. I think he had a Nidoran. I remember. Um, but... Poliwhirl, not an Nidoran, Poliwhirl. And so his Poliwhirl and then Bulbazar was his first from Professor Oak. So we're considering Bulbazar. That means that uh, your your rival always chooses the opposite. So we're going to call him Blue, uh, and he is going to have Charmander. Red's, of course, is, of course, given the Pokedex. He goes through Professor Oak's parcel, drops off, get Pokeballs, goes through the first couple places, gets his first badge from Brock, the first gym leader in Pewter. 
uh, journeys through Mount Moon, and he gets a little encounter with Team Rocket here, finding out that they're wanting to sell these fossils uh, and do that kind of thing. He goes through, not thinking too much of it, goes through Nugget Bridge and fights this last guy who says, hey, maybe you've heard of Team Rocket. <clears throat> We'd like you to join. Uh, and what is it that happens next? Red says yes, and then what? So I'll let's, let's take it from there. And I, I'll tell you a quick anecdote. I so badly wanted this podcast to be called The Hypotheticast. And I thought it was such a clever name. I thought it was so cute. And uh, man, it's already taken. And so that's why we're The Hypothesis, which is also a good name, doggone it. But it's not Hypotheticast that I really wanted. And so even though we can't have the name, this segment of the show, this section, is called The Hypotheticast. There's nothing you can do about that. You can't take that from me. So, Hogan. Let's start the Hypotheticast, if we will. What happens once Red joins Team Rocket? Absolutely. Um, so I guess when I was when I was writing this out, um, because, oh, I guess I should make it clear that Nathan is way better at uh, improvisation than I am. Uh, so I had to be given this prompt. Uh, so, so I wrote some stuff out, so I have some notes to look back at. Um, but uh, that... That being said, kind of in mind, I kept it all within the game, trying to think of how a game would work this out. So there'd be like other mechanics that would drop down from it. Uh, and there are some reveals throughout it. And there's some, uh, let's say, kind of quote unquote, like cutscene kind of things uh, or, or things that would just work out pretty well kind of in the in the Pokemon overworld, kind of how you interact with the game. Um, so I guess that's how I'll describe as I'm working through this. Um, but in my world, in, in this hypothetical uh, world of, of Red becoming uh, a part of Team Rocket. He finishes Nugget Bridge, so he shows that he's an exceptionally strong trainer. Um, he he gets this offer from the Grunt. Um, he accepts this offer from the Grunt um, because, you know, being a 10-year-old, uh, you obviously just accept uh, big offers like this uh, to join criminal uh, organizations. Um, so my idea is that he joins the organization, and at that point, even if he's an exceptionally strong 10-year-old, he's still just a 10-year-old. So he has to work his way up through the ranks of, uh, of the Team Rocket organization. Um, there's no meeting Giovanni right off the rip. Um, there's no meeting probably any of the lieutenants off the rip or anything like that. You're just meeting some of the stronger grunts, right? We're talking the grunts who have uh, Arbox and Raticates, those guys. Um so I think that uh, as he works his way up, maybe, you know, he sees, uh, let's say, some quote-unquote inspirational videos of Giovanni. They kind of introduce the ideal of we want really strong Pokemon uh, so we can kind of take over or kind of distribute uh, a stronger Pokemon. Giovanni can be quoted a few times in the different games saying that uh, what makes him special is his ability to bring together multiple different people uh, in order to achieve something greater. Uh, that's from the like Celebi event and Heart Gold and Soul Silver, uh, which is something that's kind of cool that I worked throughout mine. Um, but I think as far as a game goes, after you kind of probably do a few battles with Team Rocket grunts and, and grind and level up a little bit, I think the first big thing is I think Red has to prove himself um, by stealing a valuable Pokemon. Um, now, it wouldn't really be worth it, Team Rocket, just to say, hey, go steal Eradicate or, or something like that out there. Um, so I actually think that they kind of put all their trainees or their grunts up to stealing a rare Pokemon from the game corner. Um, so I think uh, that Red is told he has to steal a Pokemon from the game corner. 
ultimately, I think, you know, this is a big turning point for Red. Up to this point, he's just been kind of an altruistic, normal Pokemon trainer. Uh, but he marches right into a casino at 10 years old and um, through some nefarious ways, hops the counter or so, uh, sees all the prize Pokemon like Abras and Porygons and Dratinis. Um, and I think he steals a Dratini. Uh, I think he then brings this Rutini back to kind of, let's say, his grunt captain um, and presents it to them, kind of saying, hey, I, I did my task, you know, what is next? Uh, and uh, obviously he passes, and I think this is when the reveal of Team Rocket's hideout is in the game corner is shown. Uh, I think it's all kind of an elaborate ruse that there was no inherent danger in stealing this Pokemon because their base is right under it. So in my mind, the casino is owned by Team Rocket, and this is just the first big test. It weeds out anybody who might break under pressure or who might try to go into the game corner and alert them to what's going on. Uh, so this is like the first thinning of the herd. Um, so I guess maybe I should pitch it back to Nate and see maybe what you think of kind of the first little part there. Yeah, I love it. I love the breakdown. And I, maybe it was just in my head canon. Maybe I made this up somewhere along the way. I always assumed that the reason that the game corner had rare Pokemon was because Team Rocket was the one supplying, and so I don't know. Might maybe totally I just made be. that up in my in my my like level of depth there, like thinking you know this is Team Rocket's real bad, and so yeah, I always assumed that was kind of what was going on, and so I like that even more. This idea that uh, he's not even stealing you know an own Pokemon; he's stealing an already stolen Pokemon in a sense, yeah, uh, and getting deeper into this organization. Uh, yeah, I like it a lot. I like the idea and the idea of thievery. And this, the fact that he, you know, just right up and joins this organization. I mean, imagine what mom would say. She must be thrilled, right? He, I, I imagine I, I, Red. <laughs> Red's probably, like, aware that Team Rocket is probably, like, a faux pas of a name. Like, they're probably, like, well-known for being bandits. And so he's, like, on the phone with mom. And he's like, uh, yeah, no, I'm a part of an organization. They're oh, yeah. Very, oh, absolutely. You know, they're across the world. They're a big deal. And, and mom's like, come on, why don't you just tell me? And he's like, you know, it's confidential. <laughs> I don't know. I like, to, I, I like to think that he's on the uh, the video phone, the like ring, 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 phone call, phone call. I like to think that like he's having these phone calls like in the Team Rocket like like hideout or something. And he's trying to like tell his mom about it so like she's not worried about him but he's explaining it very much like a pyramid scheme of like oh yeah there's a lot of people <laughs> in this and we're widespread and i was invited you know he's, he's making it sound really good but also trying to hide the fact that there's like a porygon in a cage getting walked by behind him and stuff like that um <laughs> right. so mom you don't understand but, uh, mom, the higher up i go the more i get paid and and everybody else below me I, you know, exactly. they keep bringing them in and, you know, just tell my cousins about it. Do they want to join? Let yeah, me get my cousins in on this thing. <laughs> Let me get them in. It's really, it's legit. It's a good business. The more people I bring in, the it's better great. I do. It's great. Um, yeah, exactly. So, um, so I think that, um, uh, when he brings the, the Pokemon back, right? So, so you've completed that task. You bring it back to your leader hey, I, I, I stole this Pokemon like you asked me to, right? I think that in the game corner, you could get like Pinsers, Scythers, Porygons, Abras, Rutinis, and like a few like other ones. Anyway, they all had a different price on them. Right. Uh, Dratini was one of the more expensive uh, ones. Uh, so I like to think that maybe there was more steps to go through in order to get that one. So, you know, his commander, his captain is thinking like, oh, the kid's just going to show up with a Scyther 
or an Abra or something like that, like something not too special. But then, uh, you know, the, the ones who didn't get weeded out, you know, it's whittled down. I imagine there's a bunch of them and they're told to kind of, all right, release the Pokemon that you stole. And everybody shows up with Pinsir, Scythers, Abras, and things like that. Uh, but then Red is, in my mind, the only one who went after the Dratini. The only one who went after, like, the prize Pokemon. Um, which, it, you know, people take notice of. Some of the captains and lieutenants do. I like to think that it's a, it's a kind of in this underground base and kind of there's a skybox where Giovanni is with his hands behind his back in the shadows. And he sees that someone got a Dratini. And it, there's like that uh, very anime-esque like, smirk, and then like he turns around and leaves. So it just shows that like people are taking notice of this new kid who like went above and beyond. Um, but something I do want to point out is that uh, like I don't think Giovanni like has uh, like a direct connection with him. I don't think he walks out on stage and he's like, "Hey, you're now my protege." Uh, I think that's a little heavy-handed for the game. Uh, I think something like that comes a little bit later. But I think this moment of the game just proves that like you're different, you're special, you're the quote-unquote protagonist right. because you did something the others didn't. So um, so I think after that, I think, you know, Red just continues to work up through the ranks. He's he's training some Pokemon. Um, you know, I, I had this idea that uh, it'd be cool in the game if uh, once you join Team Rocket, you're obviously supposed to have a Raticate or an Arbok or a Coughing or something like that. Uh, I think they'd make uh, trainers get rid of all their current party members. Um, maybe except for the starter. Uh, so I like the idea that as Red and as your player, you get to keep your starter, which we've said is Bulbasaur, uh, and then you have the option to take on like maybe a whole new team of Arbok, Weezing, and all of them. But I think the trainer can actually decline, and they just get to keep the Pokemon they stole. So at this point, I think your team is Bulbasaur and Dratini. Um, yeah. So I think you. So I think you continue to kind of work up through the ranks. Uh, Red has always had this thing of he wants to be the best, uh, you know, the best there ever was. He wants to be a strong trainer. Obviously, Team Rocket kind of preaches those same ideals. Um, so I think after just kind of working your way up a little bit, uh, oh, I also think it's important that uh, you have to continue to get the gym badges in order to, like, continue to raise up through the ranks. It's kind of a, hey, why do we have a full ranking system within if our entire world and society works on this ranking of badge system? So Giovanni's recycling. I mean, he's he's not spending the money on you know R&D for ranking systems if the world already has one. Um, so, I, so I think right. after I mean, a while... As, we, as think, we learn, like, late game, he is a part of the ranking system, right? I mean, as the eighth exactly. generator, so for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, so, I, I think, so I think eventually um, Red is sent back to Pewter City uh, to use his, and this is maybe a couple gym battles in or something, but is sent back to Pewter City to use his rapport with Brock, because that was the first gym battle he beat, a uh, first badge he got, and uh, to kind of ask, like, hey, I'm back, I'm, I'm going back to visit my home, uh, can you show me the Pokemon Museum? You know, Red wants to see the Pokemon Museum. Um, now, any hardcore Pokemon fans are going to know what's in the Pokemon Museum. Uh, the old Amber is there. And I think uh, it would be really cool if Team Rocket, uh, you know, Red's kind of moving up through the ranks. He's getting some bigger missions in a way uh, and is tasked with uh, stealing the old Amber. Um, so I think he uses kind of his in with Brock, goes in there, swipes the old Amber. Uh, obviously does not go back and see Mom because he's real busy with his uh, super legit organization. 
um, and then uh, kind of passes the old Amber off uh, because Team Rocket wants to do tests on it. Uh, now, old Amber is, is going to get resurrected into Aerodactyl, um, which is a, a one-of-a-kind Pokemon in the game. It's a flying rock type. Um, so I think that kind of fits in with the whole Giovanni ground rock kind of uh, feel, but it's also a very unique Pokemon. Um, so, I, so I think that's kind of cool. Uh, I think later on, um, he continues to get stronger, uh, like the, the Fighting Dojo. Uh, I think that uh, he actually trains at the Fighting Dojo. Uh, instead of the normal walkthrough where you just beat a couple trainers in there, you get to choose a Hitmonlee or a Hitmonchan, uh, I think Red actually trains there. Uh, so like spends a significant amount of time there, there's a lot more trainers there, uh, trains his Pokemon there, um, but ultimately just like gets a little bit stronger there. Uh, so it eats up some time, so that so that would definitely have to be fleshed out. Um, any comments so far? Yeah, so he's just beefing up. It's this moment. It's this. It's very anime in the sense of like uh, not Pokemon anime, mm-hmm. but just anime in general of like going through all these different montages of just getting stronger uh, and keeping on building up. And yeah. I love the idea still that he doesn't go and see his poor mom. His mom, she's suffering. Ah. I like almost the idea, like, with every mission that he has to do, like, instead of a teardrop, he's getting, like, a little tiny R by his eye, and he, like, can't even FaceTime his mom anymore because he's like, Ma, you can't see me. (laughs) I'll come by Thanksgiving, I promise. He's got to powder on that makeup and cover up those R's. Yeah, there's something (laughs) about it that that, uh, I love this um, kind of subtle uh, background character work of him, like, moving away from his family because there's already such a weird dynamic yeah right? exactly uh, of his whatever daddy yeah. issues that yeah. he might have of the sense that like just mom at home yeah. no dad you know and that you know especially in the second game even though yeah. you aren't red but you know you think about the mom as being so annoying and overbearing yeah. on the phone and now he's taking your money right and so this idea of the mom yeah. character uh is, is hilarious to me and i definitely appreciate it yeah, I, yeah. and i like the team for sure yeah. Nate, you're definitely you're, you're, that's you're, cool you're Nate, you're a uh, you're knocking on the door of some themes that I have coming up later. So, so good. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Um, Got it. so I think, you know, I think red continues to, I think red continues to collect the badges. Um, one of these badges is obviously going to be on Cinnabar Island. Um, so I think while he's there, that's also, uh, where the old Amber is getting resurrected. Um, so once he's there, uh, surprise, surprise, he gets the Aerodactyl, right? I think it's, uh, it's after, a while uh, of training up, doing other missions. So, I, so I kind of see it as him being rewarded for for his work. Uh, you know, there's some kind of throwaway dialogue of, "Hey, do you remember the the old amber you stole for us? You know, over a year ago. Well, we finally resurrected it, and it's an aerodactyl. And so it's like this cool, transformative kind of like, "Hey, you took this, but now you get this, and now you're the only trainer who has one of these." Um, so, and the timeline can definitely move around a little bit. Um, but ultimately, he, you know, he gets the Aerodactyl, um, he's gaining power by getting all these badges, um, and then, um, <clears throat> I guess, uh, I guess I'll, I'll cover the team at the very end, uh, but I might Yeah, we'll see where we end up, see where we line up by the um, end of the thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, but I think overall, after, um, he gets all the badges, uh, he's seen as, hey, this is a, a really great guy for Team Rocket, he's... He's moving up a little bit. I think after you get all the badges, I think you probably get to become a lieutenant or a captain or something like that. Uh, you're no longer just a grunt. Um, you get to level up in a way, right? Um, you get a new outfit and everything. Like so This is like season two of an anime. Oh, wow. um, so 
I think after I think after getting the badges, um, Giovanni is now definitely now he knows the name. Now he knows the name of Red, right? Because how many lieutenants are there really? So um, he's met Giovanni a little bit. Um, they've kind of maybe started to understand, like, hey, we kind of have some of the same ideals, more so than just like, yeah, everybody in this room follows you because they're scared of you. Um, but I think Red gets sent on special scouting missions uh, and training missions with the lower level grunts. So it's almost like he commands like a you know, group of lower levels. Uh, and there are three special scouting missions he gets sent on. Um, and that's going to be the Seafoam Islands, the Power Plant, and Victory Road. Um, oh, so man. my idea here he's is that big he's, time. that he's training, yeah. So he, so he's training up the lower levels, right? He's he's helping them get a little bit stronger, um, but that's not what Red's for, you know. Red Red knows Pokemon, and Red's a great Pokemon trainer. Um, so anybody who knows the game knows those three areas are the homes of the legendary birds. Um, so you know when he's in Seafoam Island, he's training a specific two of his Pokemon, which we'll talk about a little bit later. Uh, when he's at Power Plant, he's training a specific two, and Victory Road, he's training another two. So they get like these very focused in grinding areas in a way, uh, if you've prepared yourself well enough with the right Pokemon, right? Um, Seafoam Islands, obviously, uh, he runs into Articuno uh, and kind of alerts the boss that he's found this legendary bird. Uh, Power Plant, he runs into Zapdos, and Victory Road runs into Moltres, um, in, in in which Team Rocket then catches them. Uh, with the help of Red, who, who who battles them and weakens them and can catch them. Um, which just shows that Team Rocket now has these three elemental birds and are even more powerful. Sweet. Yeah, so they've got the power now. They got it thanks to him. They're conquering they're conquering Kanto one legendary at a time here. Exactly. Uh, so I think after that, um, you know, I mean those are that's three pretty big accomplishments. So Giovanni definitely knows who Red is. They've probably spent a decent amount of time with each other now uh you know like corporate vacations on the on the private jet uh, things like that um so i think that uh giovanni kind of uh gives him his next mission it's now time for red to challenge the elite four um it's time for him to challenge the elite four before he really gets like on the police's radar because uh, as, as of now everything's been very you know shady and underground he hasn't been asked to do a lot of things that are very different for, for a kid of this age. Uh, I'm, I'm also imagining that it's been a couple of years now, so it's probably he's probably 15 or 16 at this point. Um, so he uh, so he battles the Elite Four, wipes the floor with them. Uh, after I give the team a little bit later, uh, the team's built around being able to take on a lot of the different challenges. Um, and then once he's the, the champion of the league, he sits atop of the Indigo Plateau. Um, I think his job is to flag potential trainers who should join Team Rocket. Um, obviously, Red never gets beat, uh, but he does fight some formidable opponents. Uh, I'm sure Gary Oak or, or Blue, however want to play that, and Green and some of the other trainers kind of come through, and Red flags them as, hey, these would be potentially great people to go after and get them to join our organization also. Um, and maybe he even like pitches those ideas to people, um, but that's kind of what he's doing there. Um, I think uh, after that, um, we're going to open that door that you were knocking on a little bit earlier. Uh, Red's mother passes away mysteriously. Oh, now mom. Yeah, mom passes away mysteriously. She's so proud of her boy that he uh, 
he he left the organization or the business that was he was in. Uh, he was she was proud of him that he joined it because he was making money, and he was able to support her and take care of her. But ultimately, a mother just wants their their baby boy or their baby girl to be happy and do what they always wanted to do. So she was so happy that her boy got to fight the elite four, was back to his training roots, and was the champion. She couldn't have been happier. But mysteriously, she passes away. So I think after that point, Giovanni just happens to step in at the perfect moment in order to console Red and give him his new goal, right? Red is destroyed. He's distraught. You know, kind of what has he done? He didn't even get to spend any time with his mother, right? Uh, he probably just got this, uh, this teary-eyed pitchy note that kind of flew into the window of the Indigo Plateau saying, like, hey, I'm so proud of you, and, and then she died. Uh, so, uh, but then Giovanni steps in at just the perfect time, uh, and now they work hand-in-hand, hand, researching Pokemon and how to make Pokemon stronger. Um, so it kind of starts to fill this kind of a, this pseudo-father role um, that, that Red's never had. Um, and then up until this point, we don't know that Giovanni has a son who's silver. Spoilers for anybody who hasn't played a 18-year-old uh, game. Um, but uh, Giovanni's kid's silver. Uh, and I actually think that uh, Red becomes more of a son to Giovanni than silver does, just because of the age difference. Um, and I actually think that uh, that sparks some of the, the anger issues that we see in silver in the Johto series games of how he always wants to be stronger. He doesn't care about Pokemon's uh, emotions. He just wants to be stronger and be better than everybody. He doesn't like the weak. Uh, I think a lot of that comes from Silver seeing Giovanni really take a shine to Red because Red is always very strong and, and Red accomplishes everything and never lets Giovanni down. Red doesn't show any weakness when his mother dies because Giovanni stepped in and, and, and definitely pulled off kind of a, a, a mafiosa kind of feel, right? So, right. Um, so Giovanni and Red are working together. Uh, I think Giovanni and Red actually run some tests on uh, one of Red's Pokemon, uh, a very specific one, which actually leads to some pretty uh, story-heavy stuff in, in the Johto series. A um, little bit of a spoiler, it's uh, Red has a Gyarados on his team. Uh, so I think some of the tests they run eventually lead to the Lake of Rage, Red Gyarados. Uh, so Red, in a way, is starting to lose connection with his Pokemon and is willing to like run tests on them to make them stronger. So he can continue to make this father figure proud of him because now he's his only parental right. figure. Yeah, he's got his sights set on something new now, being successfully groomed. Yeah, so I think, uh, I think they work hand-in-hand -hand on a lot of stuff. They're stealing Pokemon, making Pokemon stronger. You know, I think Red's reporting back saying, hey, yeah, um, those radio transmissions that we used on my Gyarados has made it a lot stronger, and things like that, right, that really lean into the second set of games. Um, next big point is uh, I think Red becomes really bored with just flagging potential trainers um, at the top of Indigo Plateau. Um, he's never really challenged that big, uh, and I think, and, and he's still pretty young, so he doesn't hide his emotions that great, right? Uh, but I think Giovanni understands that and sees that and then also knows that it's only a matter of time until his organization is found out at kind of the level that it is. They've captured the legendaries. Uh, now they're messing with like scientific studies on Pokemon. Uh, 
you know, uh, if you play the games, you know, your rival actually becomes the, uh, the, the champion. And then you beat him, like, in 10 minutes, right? Uh, like, it's very short-lived. Yeah, five seconds of fame. So I think, it's, uh, I think it's feasible to say that champions pretty regularly change out. Uh, and, you know, you have Red here, who let's say is the champion for, like, a whole year, or two years, right? It's, it's kind of odd. Of like, how is this guy just the champion always? Does he ever get beat? So anyway, Giovanni kind of uh, links up with Red and, and kind of tells Red, hey, we got a special task for you. It's time to really step up in the ranks. Uh, I want you to lead the next phase of a special project that Team Rocket's been working on. Um, Red, uh, in order to accept it, has to renounce uh, being the champion, or he has to lose on purpose, uh, which could kind of be cool for whoever comes in, right? You could work that into... Um, maybe like the Johto series of like when you come back in the end game of those, like maybe that's the guy who beats him, right? Or he le- he kind of secedes to. Um, so uh, I think Red gets put in charge of training the one and only Mewtwo. Um, so I think uh, Red is put in charge of training him with his team currently. So it's not like he has a seventh Pokemon. It's kind of Mewtwo is still in a cave uh, and it's very recluse and Pretty much Red's days are spent just training against uh, Mewtwo with, with his full team of six at this like high-level power. Um, and then, so he trains against Mewtwo with his Pokemon for years uh, until uh, Mewtwo's uh, power level is so high that it's breaking power scouters just everywhere he goes. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's very much so of like kind of Mewtwo has learned everything he can from Red. Um, and, uh, and, and, and now is kind of where we get into... I guess more of like the underlying story of Red that you really haven't had up until this point. Um, during this time, I think Mewtwo is constantly reading Red's mind uh, and has kind of uncovered what happened all those years ago, right? Um, so I think, uh, uh, oh, and also, I'm sorry, uh, Mewtwo, I think also like this Red Giovanni's mind and like different scientists' minds, right? So Mewtwo puts it all together. Mewtwo understands it all, whereas a player would only get like little tiny snippets and would never be able to put it together. Um, so I think that, um, Mewtwo learns that Red joined Team Rocket, uh, in an attempt to provide for his single mother. Uh, that's why he joined. He wanted to be a great Pokemon trainer, uh, but at the end of the day, a Pokemon trainer is a vagabond who just kind of walks around aimlessly, doesn't make that much money, it's not very steady, um, but, you know, as a young kid, he was going to be a little bit selfish and focus on him. Well, about the time he got to his second gym battle and was on Nugget Bridge, I met the Team Rocket grunt, uh, it sounded like a pretty good deal. He could train Pokemon to become stronger, which is one of his goals, and he could make a decent sum of money to be able to take care of his poor mother. Absolutely. Why wouldn't he accept it? Right. right? So he really I mean, wanted a guy to... right from the get-go gives you a nugget, right? I mean, this is clearly flaunting wealth from the from the beginning. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why Red accepted it. Um, so because he wanted to take care of his mother, right? So that kind of adds a whole nother level of, oh no, that was so sad he could never go see his mother because what he was doing to help her was what was keeping him from her in a way, right? Um, so Red saw joining the organization as, as somewhat of a 50-50 split of I kind of get to do what I want, but I get to take care of my mother. And he kind of turned a blind eye to what Team Rocket does is very wrong. He knows it's wrong, but it was a means to an end. Um, I think... Mewtwo understands that Red's an exceptional trainer, uh, but he's now surpassed Red. 
Uh, so there's no need for red anymore. Uh, I think Mewtwo, from reading Giovanni's mind, it's no real big surprise, had Red's mother killed to keep him focused on the organization, to keep him honed in because he knew he had an ultimate goal for Red. Um, right. So I think that uh, nearing very end game here, uh, Mewtwo actually uh, kind of bust out of the facility, right? Just like you see in the Pokemon movie. Uh, but it's that's an island and a facility, whereas in the game it's a cave. Anyway, bust out. He's out of here, right? But I think he takes Red and Red's team um, to a distant, distant mountain in the Johto region. Um, Silver, Silver Mountain. Um, I think he finds like an abandoned hut and, and kind of takes them there and they kind of have the conversation of, you know, in a Mewtwo sweet voice. Kind of tells him, you know, like, you know, thank you for everything you've done for me. Yada, yada. You've kind of, you've been through it. It's been rough for your Red. Uh, now, Red at this point is still hardcore Team Rocket in a way very brainwashed. Uh, and in an act of kindness, I think Mewtwo erases the memory of Red and his team, other than just being like, you know, they're great, they're a good team, strategies and everything like that, but erases everything from his past. He doesn't remember Team Rocket. Right. He doesn't even remember his mother passing away. He kind of takes all the pain and everything away. Uh, but in doing this, uh, I think it actually kind of scrambles Red's mind, uh, which is why we get the famous dot, dot, dot whenever you try to talk to him. I think his mind's a little messed up. He doesn't have the ability to speak anymore. His thoughts are so scrambled. So that's how we get this infamous, just super quiet, just right to battling Red, because that's all he knows how to do now. Because Mewtwo understood that everything he went through was kind of orchestrated by like a darker power. Um, and then, and, and then you just explained the, the silent protagonist. You've got, you've got it solved. Silent protagonist has been completed. This is the reason. Yeah. It's not actually a game mechanic to make you feel like you're more part of the character. It's actually Mewtwo unraveling the, the yeah. very fabric of our mind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yes. Mewtwo is canon. He's canon in all so video Mewtwo. games with the silent protagonist. Mewtwo has actually come in and unraveled the brain of the main player. That's it. That's it. So, uh, so that's it. That's the overall story. Uh, I have his, I have Red's team that I put together. Um, so I, it's Venusaur, uh, the only Pokemon he kept from from his original team uh, after joining Team Rocket. Uh, he was obviously leveled it up to a Dragonite, which is the Dratini that he stole from the game corner. Uh, he has a Gyarados. Um, nothing real special about the Gyarados. Uh, probably didn't train it up for a match cart. Uh, probably caught a wild Gyarados or something like that. They've obviously run tests on it to make it stronger, uh, which kind of alludes to Lake of Rage, Red Gyarados. Um, I think as an Arcanine, uh, it's the strongest fire type in Gen 1 after Moltres. Um, and it's a really solid Pokemon. Um, I also I think, think we can all a, just agree that an he, looks, he looks absolutely amazing on the back of an Arcanine. I think the Red probably is the coolest guy that you can oh, possibly yeah. imagine riding an Arcanine oh, across the country. Oh, sweet. You have to. Absolutely. Uh, he uh, he has the Aerodactyl, which we talked about, right. uh, which is the one and only Aerodactyl. Uh, I mean, just straight up Jurassic Park. He just stole the T-Rex, pretty much. Uh, and then uh, for his final Pokemon, uh, I think he has a Rhydon, uh, which he evolved from a Rhyhorn uh, that he got from the Silvari Zone. Uh, I think he has this Rhydon uh, because Giovanni has a Rhydon. Right. It's very powerful. It kind of fits the ground mechanic. 
Uh, I got, I went back and forth between like a Nido Queen and a Nido King, uh, or, or even a Kangaskhan or something like that. And uh, I mean, you could you could work in the idea of Red didn't want a Nido King or Queen because they're not as strong. Uh, and maybe he wanted a Kangaskhan, but the the bond between the baby and the mother thing kind of messed him up. So he just went Rhydon to be very like fatherhood, right? He went very Giovanni there. Uh, so he's emulating Giovanni. Love the thought so, of that Rhydon, um, and like, what if whenever so after Mewtwo's already sent him to the cave, right? And he's had his his brain unscrambled, but it's still like there's always gonna be some fragment of that history there. Oh yeah. And so, what if like when you're in Johto, like you see that he has six Pokeballs, and we know that the six Pokeball has Rhydon, but he always forfeits before getting to that sixth one. He can't even send out the Rhydon. That's yeah. Like it's just. Yeah, because he has like some yeah. weird connection. With It'll it. trigger yeah. something in yeah. his brain until he just can't. Love that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, and then I had some honorable mentions uh, for the team, um, like a Magmar, because uh, I, I just think they're super cool. Uh, and same with Electabuzz, the kind of humanoid kind of powerhouses. Um, Alakazam uh, definitely could have been there. Gengar could have been there. And Golduck. Um, once again, they're all humanoid. Every single one of them is humanoid. Uh, and then, but I think the one that might have the most validity of being on the team is uh, actually a Magneton, uh, which is three Magnemites that came together, which I think ties back into the idea that Giovanni is always preaching, you know, what makes Giovanni special? The fact that he can bring together strong people to make a stronger force. So I think there's an argument that can be made for, that maybe Red would want to have a Magneton because it's three things coming together to make something that is stronger. But ultimately, I think his sixteen that I, that I mentioned, I think is, I think it makes sense for why he has them, um, and that that's what I settled on. Uh, but that kind of brings a close to what I thought the game could be like. Yeah, that's awesome. So cool. So we've been taking on quite a journey there. Yeah, Red's narrative, explaining his his silent protagonist nature and history and building it in. Yeah, I think we, I think, I think you've uh, you've put together a Stanley Kubrick movie here, pretty much. You've, you've, oh, okay. you've come up with a solid plot okay. line there and I like it. I dig it. The only thing that I was thinking, like pretty much we hit on all the same topic points. Um, but one thing that I think would be kind of fun is, you know, one of the big plot yeah. lines in, in uh, red and blue with, with team rocket uh, was infiltrating Silfco and getting that master ball. Yeah. yeah. And so I almost like the yeah. thought of like, there's somewhere along those lines. I don't know if this would be like, Maybe whenever Red came along, Giovanni kind of scrapped that plan. Uh, or maybe because Red wasn't there, they wound up getting the Master Ball plans and, like, developing them. Mm-hmm. But I, I always like that idea yeah. of, like, what are they going to do? Why were, Why did they want that doggone Master Ball so bad? You know, if it was to catch the yeah. legendaries, like, Red helped them do it. Uh, if it was to help yeah. them catch Mewtwo, clearly Mewtwo, right, has the, has the winning power there. And so I could see it going, like, one of two ways. Either, like... Uh, they just end up taking those master balls, kind of perfecting the program and spread out to the rest of the world uh, and just make everything an easy catch. Uh, Or Mewtwo almost kind of adapts and takes that. And, you know, the Pokeballs that he has in the first movie, Mm -hmm. uh, his little Mewtwo balls, maybe those are actually all master balls. Yeah, maybe. And that's, that's his like adaptation of them. Yeah. I mean, that could work. I I could see either way, right? It's a, a massive monetary game. Uh, with the, you know, they just mass produce Master Balls so not everybody can catch really strong Pokemon uh, and, and kind of Red helped them because his Pokemon were so strong or uh, or it could definitely be 
I don't know, I guess some of it also comes down to in the game versus anime, right? Was Mewtwo created, or, or was Mewtwo always there? Why was he in the cave? It's something like that, right? You know, was it was it that Red constantly fought him in order to catch him? And so when he used the Master Ball, like, Mewtwo stopped him from doing that? Or was it he was created and Red still trained him? Like, Red, Red threw him through his own dojo and the sorts, right? And then ultimately went to return him into the Master Ball because that was the only thing that could contain him. And that's kind of when, in a way, Mewtwo put his foot down, right? Of like, hey, I know you don't actually want to do this. This is everything that's happened to you. Like, I'm, in a way, I'm going to put you out of your, your, your misery. So I, yeah, I, I think going for sure that direction is a good direction. I think the, the creator and this this uh, almost omnipotent idea of Mewtwo just being this like you know almost salvific figure and saving mm-hmm. Red from his his yeah. own you know messed up mind and grooming and all that. I think that's really cool. Yeah, has a good a good nature. He almost reminds me like uh, of almost like a Doctor Manhattan like character. Uh huh. Like just this already has it all figured out. Like has already put together the beginning and the end. He knows yeah. what's going to happen. And um, that almost gives some validity to the the first movie. Again, going back to the anime. But you know, Mewtwo has this plan all along, and it's going to be a pretty epic plan until he realizes that there's a uh, you know a little abstract, a little something in there that throws it off in the form of Ash, right? Like he's, yeah. he is uh, something that he could have never predicted. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I dig that. That, that works well with my idea of who Mewtwo is. Cool. And uh, just kind of his omnipotence. Um, not saying he can't be thwarted, just like Dr. Manhattan, you know, eventually got kind of thwarted in a way. Yeah. Uh, it's the unpredictableness that makes him a cool character. Yeah. So- yeah. So that's my idea. If, Red takes uh, over the world, and then Mewtwo takes it over. Yeah, if uh, if Red went bad, uh, I think he does. You know, overall, I think he does a great job. Uh, Giovanni keeps kind of moving him up through the ranks because he needs somebody like him. It's his right hand, uh, which leads to Giovanni kind of casting away his own family. Right, so there's a parallel there. Uh, and then ultimately, he wants to use Red just as a tool, just as a training tool to perfect his most powerful Pokemon in the world. Right. Uh, now, unfortunately for, for Giovanni, they succeeded, made the most powerful Pokemon in the world, but then that Pokemon kind of bucked the tool, kind of saw that the tool was broken, in a way fixed the tool, kind of hid him away from Giovanni. And I think uh, I think Giovanni, just I mean, just like a tool, right? When you have enough money, I lost that tool, oh, I'll just find another. I, d- I don't think Giovanni ever cast a second thought about what happened to Red, like what happened to my great general, right? It's just, oh, he's gone. Mewtwo killed him or something, right? He got rid of him and he's gone. So I think Giovanni just moves on. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, it's a resource kind of wasted. A resource gone, but just a resource. Not any kind of personal... So it keeps Giovanni as being very much just an unredemptable, just a completely messed up character. Yeah, it keeps him as being... Uh, very godfather, very... Everybody is just a, a piece on the board, right? Even if Red was just a pawn and then, you know, moved his way through the ranks of, you know, bishop, knight, everything like that, even, you know, becoming, I don't know, arguably in chess, right? The queen's the most powerful figure, right? But, like, at the end of the day, when you lose it, it's just a piece off the board. Well, if this so. ever gets made in a movie, we'll have to see if we can find a Marlon Brando lookalike. See if we can make that happen. Okay. That Godfather Let's character. Because yeah. he is. He's solid. 
Yeah. There's definitely, and there's no, there's yeah. no doubt that there's the comparisons there of them. I'm sure. So uh, that those are my ideas. Um, so I hope you liked them. I hope the Sweet. audience likes them out there. So. Well, I think we've we've well answered the question. Then, what would happen? What if, hypothetically speaking, Red were to join Team Rocket and take that offer on Nugget Bit, Nugget Bridge? And not only what would happen, but why did he do it? That's solid. Well, that's what we'll call them. We'll call it this. So Red goes through this uh, journey, uh, this true almost anti-hero's journey, uh, rather than hero's journey, going through getting brainwashed and groomed by Giovanni, losing his mother. Uh, not being able to speak to her on the phone uh, and just really having a tough go of it. Building this awesome team, uh, training, getting stronger, a la Rocky style, uh, and then eventually becoming so powerful that he trains Mewtwo, who turns out to be his undoing. His willful and good undoing, but also his undoing. So he winds up training his own uh, change. And so, yeah, that's great. What happens next? We don't know, because that's not our hypotheticals question anymore. We've answered the question at hand, and I'm curious to know where it goes from there. But that's a great a great game, a solid entry. I think it would sell pretty well. Well, good deal, man. Well, thank you so much for being on this podcast. I appreciate you uh, for being a part of this. And I hope that all of you out there in podcast land uh, enjoyed this inaugural episode of The Hypothesists uh, that we've been talking about here. We answered this question, and I hope that we answered it well, and I hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, and that is all that I've got for this episode. Be sure to send in your own hypothetical scenarios, and we will see about getting them answered as well. You can send them to thehypothesis at gmail.com. It's the name of the show, at gmail.com. And maybe, just maybe, they'll get answered on this show. All right, so that is the special episode. I hope that you guys have enjoyed that hypothesis deep dive little look into what that show is all about. I appreciate you guys giving it a listen and listening all the way to the end here. This is a special prize. Thank you very much. I really do genuinely appreciate your time uh, diving into that. I think it's a lot of fun. It was a fun show that we had a lot of fun with, and I would love to do more of it. It's just a matter of finding the time. One little fun thing that we did with this show, um, I had such a good time writing out these hypothesis, you know, scenarios that, uh, on the channel and on that podcast hub, we actually have, um, some like voice acted story bits. So like, just like a clip, essentially, just like a little, a little look into what would have happened. And I voice acted them out myself and did some sound design and stuff like that. It's not the greatest thing in the world. I'm not going to go on and say that it's like the best thing that's ever been made, but it was a fun little tribute to the show. Uh, and I definitely enjoyed my time with it. And so maybe if you're interested, uh, take some time, listen to it, see what you think. Uh, and maybe subscribe to that podcast. Let me know what you think about it. Again, if you'd like that podcast moved over here, if you'd rather listen to that on checkpoint, uh, that might incentivize me to make more if it was a part of Checkpoint Church. So be sure to let me know if that's something that you'd be interested in, and I will see what we can do. I'll just see what we can do. That's what every parent says, right? Whenever they're like, maybe, maybe, maybe means no. Yes means maybe. Those kind of things. You know what I'm saying? Um, but hopefully you guys enjoyed the show, and I really do appreciate you listening to it. Sorry that there's no chat point this week, but I hope that everybody understands uh, that uh, you know, things come up, life happens, uh, weather happens, all these exciting things. And it's just been a miracle that we had enough power to even upload this episode. So 
With that, folks, I hope that everyone has a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Thanks for listening to this, and I look forward to seeing you all back this upcoming week with some more excellent podcasts and streams and good times. Folks, again, I know I said this at the beginning of the episode, but I'm going to say it now as well. If you haven't heard it yet, which you should have already heard it once in the podcast, but maybe it took you two days to listen to this podcast and it's a new day, know that God loves you. I love you. You matter, no matter who you are or where you've been. All right, folks, we'll catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.